The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Let's talk about dogs. Let's talk about the heat and how it affects dogs. And let's also talk about designer dogs uh, who are facing many health issues. We're joined by vet Tim Kirby, who's also the founder of Pet Bond. We'll get to that in a second. Tim, we'd asked you to talk about designer dogs, but I just want to ask you, first of all, given the heat we're experiencing and what's projected for over the weekend, um, how significant and dangerous can this be for dogs and what do we do to protect them? Absolutely, Matt. Uh, good evening to yourself, Matt, and to all your listeners. Uh, the weather we're experiencing, obviously, is, is exceptional at the moment, and it's going to get even warmer, as you said. And, I mean, I've, I've treated uh, three dogs already this week for heat stress. So it is a very, very serious condition if a dog in particular does suffer from it. So what I would say to people are to prevent your dog getting uh, stressed in the sun. So simply taking precautions like walking your dog early in the morning, late at evening when the sun isn't out. Absolutely don't walk your dog during the day when the sun is at its peak power and it's more likely to burn your dog as well. So Sorry, you can apply... Burn, it, can dogs get sunburn? I, I thought there was a problem sometimes with the, the pads on their feet on the hot concrete, but can they actually yeah. get sunburn? Well, they can indeed, Matt. You're, you're, you're very much correct there as well that they the tar can melt or hot concrete can blister the foot pads as well. So just being very careful where you actually walk a dog. And, you know, sometimes we see dogs getting sunburned, particularly on the tip of the nose, under the ears as well, because you've got areas in the skin that aren't pigmented. So the skin is very, very pink in a lot of dogs and it's very, very easy to get burned. So what I do say to people is there are a whole range of sun creams out there. Some you can apply to dog skin but always consult your veterinary surgeon before you do put anything topical on your dog skin. Okay, but then the heat issue. I mean, what, yeah. what sort of heat can dogs withstand? What do, you, do you keep them indoors? Uh, do you keep them in the shade? How do you yeah. make sure that they drink water? Yeah, I would always say put their bed somewhere cool, you know, not in the direct sunlight, obviously. So an area that's cool in the shade. You know, if you've got fans as well, just to give, uh, obviously, cooler air circulating around the dog keeping the water bowl topped up at all times uh, with fresh cold water and one of the controversial points is do you put ice cubes into the water or do you not I certainly think it's a good idea to put the ice cubes in let it cool the water down and then you can remove them because I have known dogs that have chewed on them fractured the ice cube and damaged their mouth so I don't routinely uh, recommend leaving ice cubes in water to be, uh, for dogs Interesting. Okay. And if your dog does suffer from excessive heat, what do you do? Well, the first thing you do is you cool it down slowly. So I would say to people, apply, for example, a a cold towel that has been soaked in cold water, apply that on the skin, and immediately bring your dog to your local veterinary surgeon. Because at the local veterinary surgeons, they will have medication that they will inject intravenously, and more than likely, they will give fluids intravenously as well to drop the body temperature. So it is an absolute emergency. Don't delay and consult your vets as soon as you can. We've been hearing as well that the temperatures at night are going to be in the 20s from early next week, which makes it yep. very difficult for humans to sleep. What will yep. that do to dogs if the temperatures are that warm at night? They equally suffer, Matt, as, as much as a human would. You know, a lot of people are saying their dogs are just after food. They're not eating as much as they normally would. Just like humans, to a large extent as well. Equally, 
dogs find it very, very difficult to settle down when it is it is very warm. So again, as I said earlier, keeping them in a cool area. If you've got fans, absolutely use them as well. And almost consider your dog being as uncomfortable in the extreme heat as you would yourself. So the similar precautions you would take, you know, you can apply them to your dog as well. Okay, are certain dogs more at risk? And particularly these so-called yeah. designer dogs? That's a very, very good point, Matt. And we would call a lot of, of these dogs, in particular, dogs with very, very shortened noses and very wide skulls. They're collectively known as brachys, brachycephalic breeds. They particularly suffer in these conditions because they they normally struggle to breathe because of how they're bright and just the, the distorted anatomical features they have in their nose. So this weather puts them under severe stress. So their respiratory system, their cardiovascular system comes under pressure. And essentially, anyone that has one of those dogs needs to be extra vigilant. You know, do not exercise it anywhere near as much as you normally would. But certainly, don't bring it out in the direct sunlight during the hours of peak heat because it will literally put them into a cardiovascular crisis and they would be a very, very high-risk candidate. Okay, now, talk to me a little bit about dogs sourced online, these particularly popular designer breeds. Because I'm absolutely shocked to see the suggestion that one in three of all pups sourced online either die or become very ill during their very first year of life. Yeah, yeah. It's a... It's a fairly harrowing statistic, Matt, you know, when you when you actually drill down into it and you actually sit back and you reflect on that statistic, you know. I mean, it's one that wider society should really take note of. Um, and there are a lot of reasons behind it. For example, designer breeds, as you mentioned, they're essentially breeds that the public, you know, have an insatiable demand for. So you're essentially looking at breeds where you're crossing, for example, a Bichon Frise with a Cavalier uh, King Charles, you're crossing a Cocker Spaniel with a Poodle. And these are breeds, Matt, that have been generated purely to, to actually feed the actual demand that, that exists there for them by the public. And we're finding that the, the underlying reason as to why there is such a demand is purely on aesthetics. So purely on the features of how these dogs look is actually what's driving the supply to meet the huge demand. Okay, but a lot of these dogs are also very good pets. They're very loving dogs, yep. aren't they? they? They're not violent or aggressive. No, no, absolutely. The, the, the reasons where we would see problems with the mat is that a lot of these dogs <coughs> are produced um, from some very large units, you know, that produce industrial scale numbers to meet the huge demand that exists for them by the public. And as a result, a lot of these dogs wouldn't have been socialised properly at a very young age. And we know that statistically, dogs that haven't been socialised properly in the first few weeks of their lives, in fact, are more likely to be fearful dogs as they grow up. They're more likely to be apprehensive dogs. And more importantly, they're more likely to develop aggression. And they are the three most common causes as to why people actually relinquish dogs to rescue centres later on in life. And, you know, a lot of these designer breeds, I mean, by virtue of the name itself, designer, uh, that has connotations for fashion, for clothes, for shoes. I mean, to even think that we use the word a designer for a breed of dog really suggests how superficial, in a sense, the, the logic has been in creating these dogs in the first place. But even given that, though, many people now have these dogs and love these dogs 
and want to look after them, how difficult are they to look after? And do they have perhaps lesser lifespans ahead of them? I would say dogs, Matt, you're, you know, when you see some of the crosses, for example, we see, we're see we seeing Pomeranians cross with Huskies. That's just one example. I mean, I, for you, when you look at the ancestry of these dogs, and where, for example, Huskies have originated, they're physically very large dogs. For example, a Pomeranian, much, much smaller breed of dog. And when you cross these two breeds, it's essentially a genetic lottery. You know, you've no idea of the potential outcome, both from a physical health point of view, for example, are they more likely to get arthritis in their hips, which we call hip dysplasia? Or even worse again, are they more likely to have behavioural issues? So it's a complete lottery as to what you're actually going to get. And unfortunately, we are seeing a lot of the time probably the worst characteristics actually coming through in the progeny. And that's where, you know, I think we really need to take a step back and we need to kind of reflect and say, OK, you know, if we weren't actually breeding these dogs just based on looks and aesthetics, you know, functionally, would you breed them at all based on what we're actually finding uh, through our clinics at the moment? Okay, I'm going to have to leave it there. Uh, Vet Tim Kirby, the founder of Pet Bond. Thank you very much for joining us here on The Last Word of Today FM. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM.